Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. As I was thinking about that song, my mind went back to our Sunday school class and the question was asked about the curse of the law. I don't know if the question was totally answered. I would have probably just as soon sat and discussed Hebrews some more. But maybe part of the curse of the law is that in the Old Testament, they needed to continue to go back and offer every day. And if they sin the next day, they need to do it again and again. And the better covenant is once for all. And maybe that answers the other question that was in our lesson. I don't think we got to it about dead works. I don't know if the other classes discussed that or not. But, you know, we cannot imagine what the Jews went through, what the people went through, and in the ushering in of a new covenant. You know, sometimes we get pretty hard on the Judaizers. Put yourself in there. This morning I want to look at an Old Testament character and what we can learn when we mention the name Balaam, what comes to your mind? Anyone? Okay, a prophet. Anything else? Okay, a donkey. Did you ever have an animal talk to you? Well, they talk to us in their own way, but I've never had one verbally talk to me. But I want to look at the life of Balaam. You know, as we think about Balaam, we think about what he was asked to do and maybe why he was asked to do it. And I want to look a little bit at the background now recently I read through Numbers and Deuteronomy and that's kind of what brought me to this message. A little bit of background, I want to go to Numbers chapter 20 and for the text it's chapters 22 through 25. Now I don't plan to read all of them, okay? But when you get a chance, read those chapters. The background here is the Israelites were in the wilderness with no water. 
And Moses got frustrated with the people. And God asked him to speak to the rock. He struck the rock. Notice in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? He expressed himself verbally. But what he did, he paid dear for it. Then we move over to verse four, verses 14 through 21. Moses came to Edom, the king of Edom. He said, can we go through your land? And that's where I want to pick up here. I want to read a few verses here. It says, And Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king Edom, Thus saith thy brother Israel, Thou knowest all the travail thou hast befallen, that hath befallen us. How our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice, and sent an angel, and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards, neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand or to the left until we have passed thy borders. And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me lest I come out against thee with the sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will not go by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on thy feet. And he said, Thou shalt not come through. Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Therefore Israel turned away from him. Now I thought it was interesting here. They asked him twice if he could come through. And he said, no, you cannot. If you come out against us, we're going to fight you. Now go to chapter 21. We have the people complaining against Moses and Aaron. And so he sent the fiery serpents, and we have that in verse 8. The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it on a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And as we think of this, as we read of the Israelites and all that they did, 
the nations around them were afraid of them. Now, I don't know if, if the king of Edom thought that Moses was going to use this as a tactic coming through their land to take them over or what, but it was interesting how this all played out. Now go down to verses 33 and 34. It says, And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan, and Og the king of Bashan went out against them, he and all his people, to the battle at Adriai. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear not, for I have delivered him into thy hand, and all his people, and his land, that thou should do to him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. Notice here, the Lord told him, Fear him not. Why would they fear Og, the king of Bashan? Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 3. This was why they feared him. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 11 For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man. This man's bed was six feet wide and thirteen and a half feet long. He was a giant. People were afraid of him. I think it was Adam Clark said that more than likely this bed was about a foot taller than he was, or a foot longer than he was tall. Goliath was 12 feet tall. Maybe about twice as tall as I am. The people feared Og. They didn't want to basically mess with him. The Lord said, don't fear him. And so, as they went on their conquest, we go back to Numbers chapter 21. The last verse says, So they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left, until there was none left him alive, and they possessed the land. And so they went and they possessed the land. And so now that brings us to chapter 22, and I want to read here verses 1 through 7. Balak made a request here to Balaam. And notice here why he made this request. The Israelites here were a threat to Balak. 
And I want to read here verses 1 through 7. It says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick us up that are around about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt, Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Now come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that they may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. Now notice here, it says the king of Moab was sore afraid of the people. Some translations say he was sick with dread. Have you ever worried yourself sick? Did you ever have something that when you found out about it, it just made you sick to the stomach? The nearest thing I can remember was we had put a new unloader in a silo a couple years ago. <clears throat> and the, the silo was down almost empty. Put a new unloader in it. Big mistake, we didn't put the new cable on. We pulled the unloader up, and it's almost to the top. And I heard, doom, bloop, that's all the noise it was. Cable broke. I got sick to the stomach. That's probably a little bit here what Balak felt like. And basically he said, it's a losing battle. I mean, these Israelites, God is with them. It's a losing battle. And so he called for Balaam. And he said, for the odds to be on my side, I want you to curse the people. Then we can overtake them. Balak did not want to fight the people. And so, he wanted Balaam to curse them. And it says he offered them a diviner's fee. Now, I don't know what this diviner's fee was. But as I think about this, as I studied this, 
it must have been pretty appealing to Balaam. A diviner's fee. Why did he offer Balaam a diviner's fee? It's because he was a diviner. You know, recently we were talking about school budgets and we were talking about teachers' pay. Well, you, I just use that as an illustration, you know, a teacher's pay. Well, you have a little idea what they get. Or maybe when you call somebody to do some service work for you, you have a little idea what a repairman's fee is. Well, this was a diviner's fee. And so... It looked appealing to Balaam. We have God's answer here in verse 12. God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And as I read over this, I thought, wow, Balaam, he's listening to the Lord. Go down to verses 18 through 20. Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Balaam had his answer. And yet he went back again. And said, I'm going to see what the Lord says to me. So Balaam went anyway. We have this in the next couple of verses. Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the anger of the Lord stood in the way for the, an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side, and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again, and the angel of the Lord went further, and stood in a narrow place. There was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam 
And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his, word, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned me from me these three times, unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I had slain thee, and saved her alive. Now, as I think of this, I think of Balaam. If an animal would start talking to you, what would you do? Some of us would probably follow with a heart attack. Balaam went right on talking to her, just like he was talking to a man. And there's a reason for that. He was a diviner. It's interesting here that what the ass said, you know, these three times you did this to me. The Lord was watching out for Balaam. He was trying to prevent him from doing wrong. And yet he was intent on continuing on to do what he wanted to do. He was told not to go. You know, sometimes God gives us hints, and we don't always take the hints. Now notice, as we go on here, what the Lord said. Verse 34, Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Was it God's will that he go? Was it his permissive will that he go? When we don't do things God's way, there's always trouble. I don't understand all of this 
how this all worked out and everything. Because if we go to, let us say this, we have here in verse 34, Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew that thou shouldest, that thou stoodest in the way. Did, it, did Balaam confess his sin? He acknowledged his sin. Acknowledgement of sin is not repentance. And we have other accounts of this. I want to look at a couple. First um, Samuel twenty-six. First Samuel twenty-six and verse twenty-one. This was when Saul was going after David. Notice what he says here in verse twenty-one. Then said Saul, I have sinned, return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. Did Saul repent? He acknowledged his sin. Another one is in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. It was when Achan sinned. Joshua 7, starting verse 19. Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now, what hast thou done? Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And he acknowledged he took these things. He saw, he coveted, he took. He said, I have sinned. I have sinned against God. I don't know. This is just my opinion. I mean, preachers shouldn't give their opinion. If Achan would have confessed, would have he been killed? I don't know. Maybe Nelson can help me out on that sometime. If he would have confessed, would have, would have, would have he, if he'd have been truly repentant, would have Achan been killed? I don't know. But he did not repent. He acknowledged his sin. And so there are just a few accounts we have there of that. 
And now let's go back to Numbers 24. In the midst of Balaam's I don't know how what for words to use, but in the midst of his connivings, in the midst of his bad decisions, we have a number of things that stood out to me here. In chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, it says that when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went... He went not, as at other times, to seek enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon them. The Spirit of God came upon them. Upon Balaam. Now go to verses 6 and 7. As the valleys are, they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of Lynn aloes which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters, he shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. That's not what Balak was wanting to hear. That was totally opposite of what he wanted to hear. And yet at this point, Balaam was willing to prophesy, was willing to pronounce this against Balak. Notice Balak's response in verses 10 and 11. It says, And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed me these three times. Therefore now flee thou to the place I thought to promote thee unto greater honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. You know, it's interesting here, as he went, as Balak came to him, well, let me go on down here, verse, verses uh, 17 to 19. Here we have Balaam, of all people, prophesying of Jesus coming. And I guess that's the part I don't understand. Notice what he says here. He's talking about the most high in verse 16. Verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. 
Now, if you were Balak, how would you feel? This was prophesied by Balaam. Balaam influenced the people. And we're going here in chapter 25. It says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Balaam, or Balak, couldn't get Balaam to curse the people, so he brought a greater temptation to them than what they could handle. And I'm assuming the temptation for Balaam with the diviner's fee was too much for him to bear because of what he did. He caused the people to sin. They worshipped Baal, the fertility god. We have the judgment of sin in verses 4 through 9. And Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, was the one that meted out the judgment here. And he killed this couple that was committing fornication. And he did this openly. He did this to judge the people. The sad part of it was there was so many here that did this and it lists the people here in this chapter now go to chapter 31 Balaam was killed also, along with the kings. And we have this in verses 7 through 9. It says, And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses, and they slew all the males, and they slew the kings of Midian, beside the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba. Five kings of Midian, Balaam also the son of Beor, they slew with the chill, with the sword. And the children of Israel took all the women of Midian captives and the little ones and took the spoil of all their cattle and all their flocks and all their goods. And you can go on reading here of the judgment they burned their cities and so on. But God met out judgment against those that had sinned. And Balaam was the instigator of this. He was the one that caused Israel to sin. We also have the account in Joshua 13.22 about Balaam being slain. 
And then I want to read here verses 15 through 19. It says, And Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, they caused the children of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman that hath known man by lying with him. But all the women, children, that have not known a man by lying with him, keep alive for yourselves. And do ye abide without the camp seven days? Whosoever hath killed any person, whosoever hath touched any slain, purify both yourselves and your captives on the third and on the seventh day. And so they were to purify themselves after they had gone through and killed these people. They might have judgment. Satan is out to destroy us however he can get us. And we have that here with the life of Balaam. Now I want to look at some New Testament references to Balaam. There's three times in the New Testament that Balaam is mentioned. Go to 2 Peter 2. Second Peter 2 I want to read verse 12. It says, But these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Now go down to verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetousness, with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. That's nothing positive about Baal. Go to Jude. Jude 10 and 11. Notice here what Jude says. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So again, it speaks of Balaam being greedy. Loving the wages of unrighteousness. Now go to Revelation 2. Verse 14. 
This was the church at Pergamos. He says, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. And he tells them, he says, repent. Now go to one more yet, back to the Old Testament in Micah 6. Micah chapter 6. Starting at verse 5. You know, sometimes we read through a passage of Scripture and all of a sudden you come across a verse that you know by memory. It's one that jumps out at you. And here we have it again. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted. And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewithal shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now notice there, he asks all these questions. And as we think of the better sacrifice, and he asks all these questions, all these animals, all these things that we can offer. But notice verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what he did. 